This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products... Go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, use promo code THEPODCAST25, you'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. They have anything from roll-ons to rub-ons to tonics. Anything and everything an athlete wants or needs is at blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show, please go to poppyapparel.com. They've been pretty much supporting the show since I've been on my own, so they've been my longest sponsor, so please show them some love. Go to poppyapparel.com, use promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship worldwide and it's free shipping if you spend more than $50. They have anything that a woman needs or wants, dress-wise, t-shirt-wise, jeans-wise, shoes, accessories, whatever. Like I said, a woman needs or wants, go to poppyapparel.com. And lastly, go to firstrow.ca. It is First Row Collectibles. It is a Canadian company that I like to proudly support. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 when you shop online. They ship within North America. and uh, or No, actually, they ship around the world. And the best part is it's in Canadian dollars. So it seems a lot cheaper once it's the, the conversion goes through. They have everything from signed collectibles, from wrestling to sports memorabilia to comic books. Anything a nerd or a geek wants, go to firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 and you'll receive 20% off. And lastly, please, most importantly, go subscribe, rate, and review on any of the platforms that you listen to and those platforms. Or if you want to try a new one, I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So on to this week's guest, as you could now, obviously, I hate doing this because it's so stupid because it seems like no one read the description, but obviously everyone reads the description first, so they know who's going to be on the show. So this whole introduction thing is literally just to kiss ass for the guests. But since I don't have to kiss this week's guests' ass because they've been on so many times. Kiss and- our asses. <laughs> do it. You want me to do more than kiss your ass, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends, you know. Um, it depends uh, whether I'm having any aphrodisiacs. <laughs> So, without further ado, and if you've, obviously you've heard them talk already, the guys from Gato 5, Max and Jesse. Oh, Canada. Oh, here we go. 
Here we go. Yes, it did. And I was at a few of the events. Not all of them, just a few. Not all WWE related, but we'll get into all that spiel. But we are here, yes, to talk about, I guess, SummerSlam week. Is it safe to say? Yes. Hi, listeners. So you guys are back. Podcast people. Which have you, what have you guys been up to? What's going on? Because actually, this is the biggest break that we have, that we talk, because the break between WrestleMania and SummerSlam is the longest between the big four, right? I guess it is, isn't it? Because we do, what, Survivor Series and Royal Rumble as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so, we're like old hands at this, Jesse. <laughs> we'll be, yeah, we'll be back before you know it as well. So, I know your listeners have missed us from um, all the <laughs> feedback that we've got. So, um, yeah, they're hungry for this. Well, hopefully they could tell you guys apart by now. <laughs> they better. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, we've got a few listeners to the podcast that think Max has the voice of a fat man. What yeah, right. I don't know if that um, translates to you being Canadian and just hearing a British accent, Steve, but a lot of people think Max sounds fat. <laughs> got a deep manly voice. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. I never heard that before. That's good to know. I know, but like, do I sound like I've got additional jowls under my chin do i sound that much like a fat man because i'm not a fat man by any stretch of imagination i don't know i don't know why you know what i've never thought of anyone maybe if it's some like a deep voice you think the person's maybe tall or stocky or something like that because typically taller people have deeper voices right but other than that i don't think of like if oh i've heard if i hear a person oh that person must be skinny because of the way they talk like how how does that compute in someone's mind I don't know. Our listeners are fucking weird. It's fine they're not listening to this podcast so we can slag them off. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. They may follow you around. We slag them off on our actual show, so it's fine. Either way. They like it, yeah. They're gluttons for punishment. What did you say in the last episode that they're, like, really slow, but you said it in a really offensive way? Well, they're just lazy as fuck. we get, like, we get feedback for shows that happened four weeks ago. Oh, wow. Like, people suddenly go, oh, I like it when you said that. And it's like, yeah, tell me four weeks ago when I might have cared. Oh, my God. No, usually I get it within the first week of it's out, and then I get nothing from that episode ever again. And then that's it. And then it's, like, just dead. See, we'd prefer that. Because we least, don't remember what happened two shows ago. Yeah, at least your listeners are on it. <laughs> well, it's because I have guests like you on. That's why. Hey, there you go. There's your ass kissing. Happy? I'm happy, I'm happy. Tied it all together. Also, I feel like poppy apparel is just ingrained in my head from the amount of times I've heard you promote it. It's it's like up there with some of the biggest brands in the world for me now because I just hear poppy apparel every time. See, that's what I'm trying to portray here. You know what it's sort of... I hate to uh, compare myself to other podcasts, but at a certain time when I used to listen to the Cole Cabana one back in the day, when he used to actually have independent wrestlers... That whole spiel of him in his basement or whatever, that was ingrained in my head. Like his whole intro, it was always the same and same every week, every week, to the point where when he had a live show, when he was trying to do it, the audience said it exactly at the same tone and time as he did it. And it was like, oh my God. So I think that was in my head to engrave when listeners come on that as you're listening with your earbuds in the subway or I guess whatever you guys call it over there, the train or whatever. But when they're on the bus, public transit, they sing along with it in their head. Does that make sense? It's true. It's true. Yeah, totally. And quite frankly, if I don't hear you talk about Poppy Apparel, I'm not convinced I'm talking to the real Steve. Exactly. I might be an imposter or something. Oh my God, it's going to be a sad day once they drop me or I drop them. <laughs> well, you would have lost, lost two guests and two listeners straight away. So. <laughs> Fantastic. You guys want to get into some wrestling? Fuck yeah, we do. Let's do it. 
All right, let's break it down because it's going to be, again, I, it seems like every time we do this, it's different, but hey, it keeps the listeners on their toes. So what we're going to do this time around, we're still going to do our top five moments, but the guys from Gato 5 will do their top five moments from TakeOver slash SummerSlam as a whole. And because I went to go see a couple of shows live, I went to go see the Ring of Honor uh, Summer Supercard live. So I'll give my top five from there and from the Smash vs. Progress show that also happened earlier in the week. Sound good? Amazing. All right. Since you guys are the guests, you go first. Your number five moment from SummerSlam oh, Takeover. Shit, son. We haven't just planned this. <laughs> well, we got, we well, we've got, discussed it. Yeah, we got the five we got together. Should we start with, you sort of listed it, Max, from the list I'm looking at, like best to worst. So should we start with the bottom one and work our way up? Um, sure. Okay, cool. So, number five, this is more for Max than me, um, but okay. Max absolutely lost his shit when Edge hit a spear on the pre-show. Oh, yeah, so this is true. So, I kind of, like, lumped this together uh, with one of Jesse's favourite moments, because really it counted for about two minutes of the show. Okay. So, it was Spear City, so Edge coming back and hitting a spear, terrified he was going to just end up, like, draws in the middle of the ring, what? and that was the end of him. And Goldberg hitting a beautiful spear as well. So uh, those two spears made me go, oh, yes. It was a good night for spears. It was. Not Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing all right. I follow her on Instagram. She seems like a a lovely, well-together lady now. She sorted her shit out, didn't she? She got that Vegas show, and now she's just kind of, like, sorted. She seems to do that. Sometimes it still baffles me that she thinks that's how normal people live when I'm watching her Instagram stories and stuff. Oh, yeah, but she thinks that's like the chill years, you know. Yeah, I'll just do like seven shows a day in Vegas. That's perfectly <laughs> exactly. normal behavior. But that's cool. She, she, could, she could be a good wrestler because they, they need to work hard and do loads of shows a day. Well, I was watching something online earlier where I was like, Snooky, remember when she was at like WrestleMania? Oh, shit, yeah. And it's yes. just like a backspring elbow and actually got the pin. So if Snooky can do it, anyone can do it. Exactly. Bring Britney to wrestling. But we got distracted. Um, Edge hit the spear. So Edge hits the spear, which right. is amazing. Because it's, fir- it's the first time since he's retired that he's actually really done anything physical in ring. Or anything yeah. offensively physical. There's been like moments where... Do you remember when Seth Rollins had his... Um, I'll break his neck. Oh, I'll break right. his neck. Yeah, yeah. Such a little square when he talks, isn't he? Yeah, he has that, that nasally voice, right? Yeah, he doesn't strike any fear in me whatsoever. Yeah. Don't like it. I'm going to face you, John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Edge hit a spear. That's awesome. It was unexpected because we haven't seen him do anything. Yeah. And, he, and he looked all like emotional and stuff being back in Toronto. And I read an oh, Instagram post from him today. And that was the first time he's been back to Toronto since his mum's funeral. Because he just couldn't face going back up there. Oh. And it was really oh. when his mum was dead. Yeah, yeah, she died a couple of months ago, man. Oh, shit. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and obviously, like, if anyone knows Edge's story, it's like his mum raised him, but dad right. wasn't in the picture and all that kind of stuff, so they were very close. And he posted this Instagram story about this is the first time he's been back to uh, Toronto since this, since the funeral, and it was something that he was really struggling with emotionally. But he said it was, like, the best cure for him, and then the reaction he got at SummerSlam, you can see it when you watch him. He's just like, fuck yeah, this, this means a lot. And then that spear... He did the whole hair pull thing back, like he was immediately back in character. Right. That was amazing, too. Yeah, and I didn't think that was going to happen either. Like, if I was to have a top five, that would probably be my top five from SummerSlam weekend, too. The only gripe I have, they wasted it on the pre-show, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't watch the pre-show. Like, I watched oh. this as a highlight because I heard it happen. But right. Like, if it had happened on the main show and I'd seen it 
like in the moment without hearing about it first, that would have made it even better. Yeah, because I had to catch on YouTube afterwards because it says Edge hit Spear. I was like, what the fuck? That doesn't yeah. sound right to me. But yeah, it was a beautiful moment. And um, and then one of my friends messaged me who's like not into wrestling, and they <laughs> were like, I hear Edge is coming back to wrestling. Oh, I was God. just like, no, of he'd course. die immediately. Uh, yeah, I know. Of course, that's the first thing you hear. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like someone needs to move on. He must be coming back. But no, that that's him done now. He's he's going to feel that for a while. And second spirit of the night, Goldberg. He's trying to erase the memory of the horrible Undertaker match that he had right. with uh, wrestling Dolph Ziggler, which is a sentence I'd never thought I'd say in my life. True, and I guess they sort of pulled it off. I guess it was it was entertaining. It wasn't a good wrestling match, obviously, but the whole thing of Ziggler wanting more and more, and I was like, okay, this is pretty funny. Yeah, I think it, it worked. Goldberg looked awesome. He did the two moves he could do very well, and right. um, Dolph Ziggler, um, yeah, sort of put himself over, and you sort of had this begrudging respect for him, right? That he kept asking for more. So that's good that his character has developed like that. Yeah. So, and it worked out for everyone involved. I think so, too. When he popped those super kicks out, I was like, yeah, Dolph. I'm liking yeah, it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was sweet. So that's so, fantastic. Yeah, well, Goldberg keep coming back and doing the spears and things. I don't know what is it with Dolph's character at the moment. Is he trying to actually be HBK or is he trying to like kill legends? I'm very confused about what's happening. Well, they did give him the sweet chin music. Now they call it that when he does a super kick instead of just calling it a super kick. Because I think this is the first time they've ever said sweet chin music for a super kick other than Shawn Michaels. So you know what yeah. I mean. This is one of the things that I can get into about TakeOver in a bit. Since when did the super kick just become, like, a regular kick to the gut? Like, I love Gargano versus Cole. Like, great match. They've had a great story. But I lost count of the amount of super kicks they hit on each other. Like, there's a point where a move just loses all meaning whatsoever, and it's just a stupid pop. It's like when everyone's doing, like, Tope Suicidas for months on end. It's just like, what's the fucking point if you have it in every single match? It's true. Well, I guess everyone wants to copy the fucking original Super Kick Party, the Young Bucks, right? Yeah, I guess, but it was just, like, so many on TakeOver. It was ridiculous how many uh, Super Kicks there were. Yeah, I guess it's an easy move to get a pop from the crowd because you do the old five slap and everyone goes, ooh. But after, like, number 20, you're like, mm, Yeah, it just becomes like a, a chest chop or something, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that used to be... Obviously, no one's tuning up the band or whatever, but right. Shawn Michaels could... Uh, Hit that out of nowhere and finish a match. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna regal kayfabe? Explain that to me, Jesse. Um, well, what it is is um, that um, Shawn Michaels actually had special shoes made that had um, a harder heel. In oh them. God! So when he um, did the sweet chip music, it would knock people out instantaneously. Whereas they they don't actually make those types of wrestling boots anymore. Because, obviously, Shawn Michaels was never an independent wrestler. He came up through the WWE, and all these wrestlers we see him do super kicks now aren't on the same sort of money. So they can't afford these sort of special boots that Shawn had. I mean, the hearts alone um, that he gets printed on there cost a couple of grand each, I believe. So um, that's what it is. It's just it's just an indie wrestler versus a WWE wrestler thing. Bro, well done. Well I like fucking that. done. <laughs> I like that. I guess no other better way to lead into my number five then. Do it. Right. All right. I'm going to go with the first show I went to during the SummerSlam week. It was the Smash versus Progress. For those of you who don't know, Smash is a Canadian. They're based in Toronto, but they are Canadian independent wrestling federation, obviously. I would say they're top two, three, maybe even top in Canada. So, And actually, shout out to a lot of the Smash guys. They were featured on... 
takeover. They were in that melee with, um, what's his name? The fucking Sasquatch, Harry Back guy. I always forget his name. Oh, um, Killian Dane. There you go, against uh, Riddle. So a lot of those security guys were from the Smash uh, organization because obviously, you know, whenever WWE rolls into town, they get a lot of those guys, there's tryouts, so forth and so on, right? That one fucking guy when they did the table spot off the ramp and then Riddle just decides to grab that one bro and take him down with him. Yeah, that that's Carter Mason. He he wrestles for Smash. I've seen him live, yeah. I was like, I felt bad for the guy. <laughs> so, I don't want to do this kind of bump. How about this for you trivia people? That guy appeared on Raw the following day and tag-teamed with Sebastian Suave, who was also in Smash, and they faced off against um, the War Raiders. Yeah, or, or whatever they're called, the Viking I've Raiders. i said about you, Steve. It's, you what? know how to smash. Hey, you know me and my Canadian wrestling roots, all right? Definitely. You know your shit. <laughs> all right, so that's what Smash is all about. Obviously, everyone knows what progress is. If you're listening, if you don't, then you've been stuck in a hole. They're one of the biggest UK promotions out there. It's so, British. Go check it out if you haven't. And obviously you have the likes of people like Walter, Travis Banks, fucking, I don't even know. The list goes on and on. Lost Bridge, Jimmy Havoc, Trent, Jimmy, Trent Jimmy Seven, all those people. Pete, Pete Dunn made his name there. There yeah. you go. Uh, the Irish Ace also. Yeah. So we'll go with my number basically, five. No, yeah, go ahead. Basically the top shit of England. Yeah, you got it. So my number five was actually the first match on the card which was Psycho Mike Rollins from Smash versus Trent Seven, which is also in WWE UK NXT, but for progress. This match was crazy because, to me, it had everything from start to finish. Because if you guys don't know who Psycho Mike is, please go check out his stuff. Wink, wink. I have an upcoming interview coming up with him, so you'll hear what he's all about. But this man had a match against himself, and it was over. That's all I have to say. Nice. He, he is. Already. He's crazy. This what he comes up with. He's Orin, He's wrestled Orange Cassidy as well, and the match they had. We talk about it all in the upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. But they had everything from comedy to grappling to high flying to brawling outside everything from start to finish, and they took you on a story. So the whole story of the match was that Psycho Mike is trying to get into WWE, and this is what his character is. He's kind of crazy. His conscience talks to himself. He looks at the hard camera all the time when he's doing a move because he thinks that's how he's going to get noticed. And then he actually won the match. And then at the end, he, he cut a promo saying that you're probably going to see him Saturday on NXT TakeOver. He bet a WWE NXT UK guy. For sure, Vince is going to call him up, this, this, and that. So he's a delusional character. So that's who, what he plays up against. And obviously, everyone knows who Trent Seven is. Happy-go-lucky guy. He could go any which way. So to me, this was a great way to start off the SummerSlam weekend. So I'll start off that with my number five. Good choice, good choice. I've I got to admit, I don't know much about uh, the Canadian fella, but I know a lot about Trent Seven, and he can have a good match with pretty much anyone, even if it's from an entertainment standpoint or a wrestling standpoint. Right, and he was all into it too. Like He, he knew, I guess, whatever what they decided backstage, but he knew the character, he played along with it. It's not like he was lost. You could tell he was a part of it. Because you know how sometimes you bring in the big names that don't know, I guess, the local guys, and then they just stare to wrestle, and they don't even know their spots or their moves and shit. And you could tell they're just there for a payday. No, not Trent Seven. He was all in it. He loved it. Like, I had front row seats, so he came around slapping everyone's hand, giving everyone high five, like... Class act from top to bottom. So you're telling me if we order the the Progress Smash show, we can see you ringside. Yes, you will. Fuck yeah, that's 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 a sale right there. <laughs> there we go. That's happening. <laughs> These guys should Are just you alone. A puppy apparel t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my wife was wearing a the podcast t-shirt sitting beside me. 
your work is there as well. There yes, we and I actually got a funny story, but I'll leave that for my number four because that might be something that will lead into my number four. So we'll leave it at that. Okay, okay. So, Jesse, next show, let's just watch that show. <laughs> Top five Steve moments in the crowd. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm ready. My body is ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, you're number four. Number four was... Mm, I, after we spoke, Jesse, I'm now like not keen on my number four. So oh. do you just want to chuck one in randomly? Uh-oh. Okay, uh, well, I'm going I'm to shout out. Um, I don't know how you'll feel about this, Max. Um, Probably the, not great. No, um, <laughs> I, we sort of talked about it earlier. Uh, you were semi on board. Um, the performance of Brock Lesnar, I'm going to say. I, I feel like he really put a shift in at SummerSlam, which he obviously doesn't do all the time. Right. Um, but I think he, he worked hard in that match. And um, we've actually been seeing him work hard a lot more uh, semi-recently. You know, sort of uh, Survivor Series with Daniel Bryan. I thought he worked really hard. Um, who did he wrestle at the Royal Rumble? I don't uh, Fuck if I remember. Who knows? But WrestleMania, WrestleMania against Seth, I thought he did a good job. And uh, this SummerSlam, I thought he, um, I thought he nailed it. I thought he really worked hard. He clearly likes Seth, I think, right? Um, and wants him to look good. And um, I, I went away um, when Brock Lesnar closes a show. I normally feel a bit empty, but I didn't feel that empty after his performance the other night. No, it it's good. true. He kind of put the the shift in, and I was saying to you earlier, Jesse, it seems like SummerSlam is like the one show a year he cares when he put a hole in Randy Orton's skull and he's had some like he destroyed John Cena he just likes to smash shit at SummerSlam I feel like that's Brock Lesnar's MO when it comes to SummerSlam <laughs> and the one thing that sticks out me in this match is when he grabs Seth on his shoulder and rams him into the ring post and he just doesn't slow down right. he probably just is planning to run through that barricade I think Brock was trying to hardway himself because when he was doing all oh. that he was like smashing his own head it's to the corner post as well. I think he was just kind of hoping that some blood would appear, and it didn't. But well, apparently, this this SummerSlam was meant to be rated like TV fourteen or something. Yeah, just like the first one ever. But like from my memory, I can't remember anything that would kind of warrant that, unless you're talking about the fiend and all that kind of stuff. But Probably. there was lots of swearing, lots of off mic swearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess that would kind of do it. Yeah. Oh, the other cool thing Brock did was um, when he swung Seth around by his bandages on his ribs like he was nothing. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I was like, how are you a living man? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just a... Also, I saw a um, video on Instagram. You know, Cam, from... do you guys ever seen the show Modern Family? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, so Cam, yeah. there's like a video of him doing a selfie and he's like, I'm, I'm so fucking mad right now, I'm going to punch the first guy I see. And he just pans around to Brock Lesnar in Fuck a black off. cowboy hat. And I'm just like, why does Brock own a black cowboy hat? <laughs> he's a rancher, that's his thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's up here in this Canada. This was like, I'm going line dancing kind of hat. Hey, maybe he has some stuff. Maybe he wears different hats for different occasions. But can you just, like, imagine Brock Lesnar on his little farm with his barbed wire and his turret guns just watching Modern Family on the couch? Actually, yeah, I, I can. I can. He's more of an all-in-the-family kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah, very, very surreal. Yeah, oh. so, uh, yeah, I think that's a solid moment. Brock did put yep. a good shift. Um... How do you guys feel about Seth now having the title again? Yeah, I was just going to ask you guys the same thing. Uh, what was the point? 
What was the point of all this? Well, this is the thing, because the fans were starting to turn on Seth being this kind of... Well, the whole Becky Lynch couple storyline right. didn't really help matters. No. And everyone was just kind of turning on Seth as being... He doesn't work as this kind of babyface champion. He's like Sasha Banks. It's just right. she doesn't work as this, like, white-hot babyface. Like, Seth, as we mentioned with his voice, he's a sniveling <laughs> coward, and that's just how he works as a heel. Yeah. Some people just don't really translate to the face aspect of it, and I think Seth is one of those people. No, I totally agree. Even, like, with The Miz. Maybe he'll get better or I'll get used to it, but I, I don't like The Miz as, as a face. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. Like, right? I'm the same as you. Like, Miz has always been one of my favorites because he's that damn good at his job at being a heel. And being a face just seems almost disingenuous. Exactly. When he's doing it. Especially when you're Seth Rollins, you're still, like, tweeting about how much money you're making and <laughs> things like that. Like, that's, that's not going to help you. <laughs> right? Talking shit to Will Ospreay. Like, what's the point in that? Like, what's the point in having a Twitter battle with Will Ospreay when you're the universal champion of WE? Well, it only made uh, more eyes turn on to Will Ospreay, right? So it benefited him. So exactly. He, like, who cares? That just kind of cemented Ospreay's year of just everyone going, oh, yeah, this guy's fucking good. So don't give Ospreay more attention than he deserves, people. That's See, my rule. Okay, I'm going to give Seth the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's looking towards the future down the line when Ospreay will eventually come to WWE and he's going to be the weathered old veteran. And like this, he could still have one last feud before he rides off into the sunset. Osprey's never going to WE. I would be shocked if Osprey ever ended up in WE. Uh, I said the same about Ricochet, and look what happened. That's true. <laughs> but right? Osprey's a cunt, so it's difficult. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? He's, he's, he's a very, very talented wrestler. Like Dynamite Kid, he was a very talented wrestler. Yeah, and he made it over, so you never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> All right, let's go on to my number four. I'm going to go with another okay. Smash vs. Progress. This one was the actual main event of the evening. So the way that it all planned out, they had five matches and they, no, sorry, not five. They had, what is it, four or five? Yeah, I think that, yeah, it was like best of five. No, what is that? So you got to win three. Yeah, so five matches, whatever. And... <laughs> Good with the math as well. How's, how's the legal weed going in <laughs> Apparently very well. <laughs> so... Whatever the math was, it was going even into the last. So they sort of did like the the Survivor Series thing where SmackDown vs. Raw, whoever wins gets the point, right? So it was going in tied two. So Progress won two matches. Uh, Smash won two. So it was going into the main event. And it was, I guess, Team Smash versus Team Progress. So you had on Team Smash side, John Greed, Daniel Garcia, Joel Coleman, and Idris Abraham. And they went up against David Starr, Chris Brooks, Paul Robinson, and Travis Banks. How does how does that lineup sound for progress? Since you guys know more about that, that's pretty dope. Uh, that's, how that's how solid. did the uh, the Canadian crowd react to Paul Robinson? Was he full on heel little shit terrier mode? I was in the front row and I was waiting for him to come and flip me the bird because that's what he was doing to everyone to the point where he was knocking people's drinks out of their hand. So I was kind of enticing it. So I don't know if maybe because I I enticed him too much. That he didn't do it. So he was like, oh, I know what this guy wants. So fuck him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but he, I was just waiting. He was a little fucking piece of shit. Like, I, I literally wanted to pull a British thing, take off my shoe and throw it at him. I really did. <laughs> he, he's so good. Like, I was he at is. a Riptide show once and I, I, I just, 
Sutting under my breath said boo worms and he just got all up in my face and I was genuinely <laughs> terrified. And then I saw him again last week at Riptide. Didn't okay. say a word. I was like, I don't want to trouble this time, I don't want to trouble. Him and Shikara take right. mine and my buddy's hats and throw them across the other side of the room and I didn't even do shit. Oh, what an he just took the hats and threw them, so he's a little cunt. But you he's got, a lovable you, cunt. You have got a hateable face though, man. I do, like, <laughs> I do. But so is he. Like he's such a little rat boy. Yes. It's unreal. And, looking at the mirror, isn't it? and the shitty part is, he's a fucking good wrestler, so you can't hate him that much. Why well, he's great at his character, like, anyone you speak to knows him, like, backstage and stuff, says so he's the sweetest, like, most, like, caring man you've ever met in your life. Right. And then he comes out with all of all of the, all of that shit, and it's just ridiculous. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, it, it was a great match. Back and forth, everything spilled to the outside. Now, this is where it got interesting. So, this is why you should watch... The Smash vs. Progress show, because then you'll see me plastered all over it. So during the main event, it was a big melee. Everyone was jumping outside, so the spot was coming where, you know, everyone takes turns to do something to leap onto the outside onto someone, right? Yeah. So doesn't Trent Banks, or sorry, Travis Banks, decide to jump, or however he came over the top rope, land, sit on my wife's lap, spill her beer all over my The Podcast t-shirt... And not even oh, offer no. to buy us another beer. That's not the Canadian way. Right. And I even tweeted at him. And you know what his response was? And if you're listening, Travis Banks, you still owe me a beer? He said, I was soaked as well. What the <laughs> fuck? That's that, that, wow. I guess that shows you the difference between New Zealand and Canada. Right there. Yeah, maybe he could make it up to you with a podcast interview. Maybe I should have pushed on it. I should have said, hey, mate, you, you, you could have made it up to me. All you got to do is be a future guest, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you should push that. But, yeah, New Zealanders are normally um, they're as much up for heavy drinking as Canadians and Englishmen, generally speaking. So, um, hopefully, that will come good one day. There's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> So, yeah, um, overall, it was a great match. I don't want to spoil it because, like I said, it already, it already went in 2-2. So if you people don't want to or people who do want to watch it, go and watch it. I was going to say, like, mate, your wife probably wasn't complaining, though, having Travis Banks land in her lap. Well, you know what she turns to? She's like, I don't even feel him. I'm like, yeah, they're professionals. What, you think he's going to put all his weight on you and fucking crush you? <laughs> <laughs> so he was probably, like, hovering on her or something. Like, And it was, like, literally, like, three seconds. He took a bump out to the outside. He fell on her, sat on her, and then got up. You know what I mean? So it's not like someone yeah. was going to jump off the top rope and land on her as well, right? Yeah. But, yeah, that was my interesting night to end off uh, the Smash and Progress show. But, yeah, go watch it. Like I said, there's so many people. Jordan Devlin was on the show too. Jordan Grace was on the show as well. So go, go check it out. Great show. Nice. I love Jordan Devlin. Uh, like, I, I hate him, but love him. Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, Big Ed Finn. Like when you go <laughs> yeah. on the football games, you set Big Head mode. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, wasn't there big head mode in the last WWE game as well? There was. I wonder yeah, if you set Finn Balor, it just looks like Jordan Devlin. Oh, yeah, man. there's no need to like, face scan him or anything, just big head Finn Balor. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys said it, because I, I don't know if he's still in town or not, so I'll keep my mouth shut. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What are they going to do? Uh, all right, guys, you're number three. <clears throat> I, think, I, think you should, I think you should throw in a takeover one, Max. Oh. Okay. Uh, so number three for me would have to be Io Shirai versus Candice Michelle from TakeOver. Specifically, mainly Io's performance. Like, 
ever since they kind of pulled the trigger on making EO a heel, she's just so good. She reminds me of like a young Bull Nakano in the way that she kind of like handles herself and like especially at Takeover when they introduced her new kind of entrance music and just her being badass. Like I was right. saying, Jesse, it gave me tingles downstairs, which I can't explain fully. <laughs> It's well, what happened to Steve then? <laughs> I, I, think, I, don't Steve, duck. I don't know what happened. I think, I think Steve just came. I think <laughs> I did. Well, do you know what a lot of people say here in Toronto? Io Shirai gets me high. Ah. Well, there you go. Is that a Toronto? Is that like that sounds like a uh, like political catchphrase or something? <laughs> for a, for a I don't want to take credit for it. I've heard it somewhere and I've sh- and I've seen it hashtagged throughout. Uh, Twitter and stuff, but mostly from Canadian people. So I'm just saying it's from Toronto. I think you, I should, like you should keep that. That works. But uh, yeah, the match itself, I thought was great. Like it had a couple of sloppy moments in it where there yeah. was some some missed bits. But in terms of what they actually put on in the ring with like Candice is great. I think everyone knows yep. that who's kind of seen it before. And I don't mean like keeping up with NXT and stuff that often, but this was kind of. From my point, her first kind of big main showing. She hasn't done a takeover before, has she? Uh, yeah. D- d- well, I think she has. That cage so, match. Uh, she did the cage match, right? Wasn't that the last takeover? Takeover 25 oh, or whatever we'll the fuck that. it was called? Then that's fine. Ignore that bit. <laughs> Edit that bit. <laughs> but between the two of them, like, I thought the match was great. Like, EO hit some great match, uh, great moves from, um, obviously, doing her high-flying stuff, which was awesome. And they just put in a great match. And I feel like the two of them... Because, good fucking God, get rid of Shayna Baszler. Like, it's not heel heat anymore. It's go to fuck away heat. Right. Like, she's just been champion for so long, and it's just so boring now. Like, are they waiting for Bianca to come back? Like, what's the deal? Like, no one's had this much of a dominating streak. Not even when we had Asuka as, like, champion that we have to deal with this kind of thing. It's just, it's boring. Asuka never got boring either. Asuka never got boring. And, like, when, I think it was the last time, like, Shayna got the title back, and then that just kind of whole run, she just, there's no one she really kind of clicks with to have that kind of solid feud except for Bianca. So maybe they are just holding off until that moment. But, like, Shayna would do so well on the main roster and I don't get why they haven't kind of pulled the trigger on that yet to kind of get her up there because I don't see the value she's kind of adding. Well, you know what I think I'm waiting. They're waiting for for Ronda to come back, and then they're going to put them all four together. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But the other two, oh, don't get me started on the other two, Steve. Well, they could be the the, the two Stooges. They could be like what was it, Briscoe and Patterson back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. I remember um, on the SmackDown PS1 games. Right. Um, Briscoe and Patterson were like unlockable characters on it, but as like a dig because Hogan had gone to WCW and all that, they had like the whole Hogan moves were their presets. When oh you my god, them, which was pretty funny. That's awesome. Well, uh, from so, my standpoint, being there live, it came off very flat. It wasn't entertaining because they just came off that entertaining first tag. And I don't know why Toronto's hot for the Undisputed Era. Every single time the boom hit, everyone went crazy. I don't know how that came off on TV because I haven't gone back and watched it. But every time any of the Undisputed Era came out, everyone was going crazy and nuts for it. So that first match was off the bat nuts. And then all of a sudden you see everybody get up and go to concession stands, go to the washroom while this match was on. And I, I have to admit, me too, I was fumbling on my phone looking through stuff. It, I don't know. It didn't come off well live. So I'm, good at, I'm glad it actually came off good on TV. Yeah, yeah, well, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I thought there was some, some good kind of strong um, 
hot moments in there. And Undisputed Era is something else. I, I feel like Triple H is going to keep that title on Adam Cole to kind of get the claws of Vince away. Oh. Because he's just like, I want him. I want to keep him in NXT. He's my baby. Baby. <laughs> pun intended. And, yeah. I'd, it's got to the point now of NXT where you don't want anyone called up at this point. Because I'll mention Velveteen Dream later. But uh, Dream's another one. That his just character and everything is so strong that you just wouldn't know how that would kind of translate on the main roster. I know. You don't want him to turn into EC3. Exactly. Yep. Where the fuck is EC3? Exactly. Uh, he's still looking for the 24-7 time. Last time I saw him, he was running through the hallway with a hammer. <laughs> and that's never where you want to be in your career. <laughs> Across all industries. Right? You never want to be last seen running through a hallway with a hammer. <laughs> this is a golden axe. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's our number three. Okay, perfect. We're going to my number three. I'm going to switch over to... The other show I went to, this one was on Friday night at uh, Ring of Honor Summer Supercard at the old Maple Leaf Gardens, which this was the first time I've ever been there to watch wrestling. I've watched uh, hockey there before, but I've never watched wrestling. And um, it was awesome walking in as a wrestling fan, walking into there because obviously watching the old school 80s Maple Leaf Garden tapes and all that back in the day, seeing all those cards with fucking Bret Hart, obviously, and all those people. And especially Iron Mike Sharp, still one of the best enhancement talents out there. I'll argue with anyone. It was awesome. I'm going to try, I'm going to butcher this, but let's see. Number three was the six-man tag match with uh, the guys from CMLL. So on one side, you had Stuka Jr. You had Caristico, which is the former Sin Cara. You had Sobrano Jr. Versus Hechacero, Templario, and Cavernario. That's like I'm in Mexico, mate. Yeah, that sounded perfectly delivered to me. I'm trying to get a gig for, for AAA. <laughs> <laughs> Where's so my tequila? This match was crazy. Obviously, the only person I knew off the bat was Stuka Jr. Because I've seen him somewhere else before. I don't know where, but I recognize him. He's a hefty, more bigger luchador. And those guys usually stand out in my mind. And obviously, I, I saw uh, Sincata from from WWE TV back in the day. So I knew those two guys. No one else I knew. I don't know what I was in for. And holy fuck, this match blew my fucking mind. I've never seen so many twirls and twists. And again, being there live, being almost front row and seeing everything happen to the outside. And obviously the ROH crowd where everyone's banging and chanting. One of the most ruckus crowds I was at the whole SummerSlam week. And it was just fantastic. Like I said, it it blew my mind. Like I went from zero to a hundred in literally like three minutes. That's how good it was. Yeah, I I know we kind of criticize flippy shit when we see it on TV, but when you're seeing it live, it, it just gets you into it. Like, no, even if you're like the Jessies of the world who hate flippy shit, like when you're there live and people are pulling that shit off, you just go, good God, that's good. No, right? I get it. I get that. It, like, it's like when you go to the circus, right? And you see, it's the same, it's getting the same emotions out of you. It's just like, oh my God, he's going to land on his head. No, he didn't quite land on his head, but he still might be dead. Yeah, it's true. Exactly. You have a way of words. That's such a power you are. Like there was none of those. There was none of those. Oh my god! Moments where it looked like someone was gonna die. Like everything. Like I heard someone say beside me. Like I guess they brought someone who really didn't know wrestling, and they're like, "See, this is what why the luchadors are better than the cruiserweights in WWE because it looks like everything's so more much fluid. It looks like everything's one move instead of like a combination of moves put together. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Uh, that's that's what you want, isn't it, from the flippy stuff? Like you want it to you want it to tell a story as well. You don't want it to just be there for the sake of doing a flip. Yeah, exactly. And again, everyone knows luchador wrestling and all that stuff. There is no storyline, especially when it's just a bunch of guys mashed together. The story is they pull off high spots every fucking second move. That's that's the story. <laughs> Whoever can nice. forget the pin, basically. Pretty much, yeah. So, Ring of Honor is something that I haven't kept up with in a very, very long time. You just don't hear about them anymore. To the point where you wonder how, how they're still functioning as a company. But they've, they've really had a dip in quality um, recently in terms of like how they've been booking stuff. And they, they just right. seem to... All of their major shows seem to have something negative attached to it that kind of comes out. And, yeah, they've just... They just can't hit that note anymore in the terms of the competition that they've got, and they just keep getting bad press when when something happens or something's going on. Uh, it's a shame because like Ring of Honor has been a staple since like when we were watching the Wrestling Channel, Jesse. It's it's that's always the, been that kind of show that's been around, you know. That's the OG indie to me. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly yeah. It's, it's the indie that. Wow. Yeah, the only one I can really think of from ten, fifteen years ago that's still kind of operating strongly. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think, you know, what also hurt them, I guess, not having the guys from AEW slash New Japan anymore. And I think they cut ties with NWA as well. So they had a little mix of guys coming over there and there too. So, you know what I mean? And they always, it seems like it's this almost, the core guys are always the same guys over in and out. Like Jay Lethal all the time. Yeah. Like, Like, you know what I mean? They had the the New Japan guys and like Bullet Club would show up. It was, you know, that's what gets the eyes to it. But now it's just like... They're not building stars. I'm, I'm super. I almost feel bad because, like Haskins, Mark Haskins is one of my favorite UK wrestlers. He's right. absolutely phenomenal. I've had the honor of training with the guy. He knows his shit better than anyone on the independent scene. Okay. And he finally gets this big break to like sign with Ring of Honor when all of his mates have been signed to NXT UK and right. all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then Ring of Honor starts going in the toilet, and it's just like the guy can't catch a break. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm trying to think who are the guys who got the bit. Like, Marty Scroll got the biggest pop. Oh, and the second biggest pop was PCO. Those were the two biggest pops of the night during the really? whole show. Yeah, Scroll makes sense, but yeah. So you know what I mean? It goes to show. Yeah. Not to say there's anything wrong against those guys, but you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. It's a real shame that Ring of Honor have cut ties with NWA because I personally was really looking forward to Dr. Dre's in ring debut. Okay. <laughs> You've been sitting there for two minutes having you that joke. Stop talking so I can get it in. Shut up. It was such a, the longer I was stewing on it, the less funny it was getting in my own head. <laughs> but yeah, I gotta deliver. I gotta do it. Oh fuck. All right. And also, like speaking of Marty quickly, like mm. I feel so bad for the dude. You know, he was part of the. Um, what, what's that fucking show called? Being the Elite, right. and he was the New Japan stuff, and he was killing it in, yep. in New Japan in the junior division, and then in the past six to eight months, don't see Marty anywhere really anymore. Yeah, just Ring of Honor. I guess that's the only place he could, I guess, wrestle. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. his contracts works, right? So, like, for example, I think this is the first time he was in Toronto ever. So that just goes to oh, show wow. you, like, you know what I mean? I don't know how his contracts works or visas or whatnot, what allows him to work where. You know how it is with international guys, right? Yeah, but like Marty's an absolute treasure, of course he is. absolutely incredible in the ring, and I was the same with Haskins. Like those two, I'd probably put as like my favourites, and to see him that close and now just kind of disappear into obscurity a little bit, it's just like, oh, the fuck, guys. Yep. 
It's true. But then again, you never know. One day to the next, you'll, next thing you know, you'll see him at a takeover in the crowd, right? Yeah, exactly. We've got, uh, well, I don't want to go to NXT. We've got All Out coming out oh, end of this month. So that's true too. We shall see. see. What happens. All right, you guys, number two. Number two. Canada's own, Canada's pride and joy, Canada's go. diamond, Canada's everything. Trish Stratus. Mm. That's it. So, yeah. Um, That's it. <laughs> <laughs> she wrestled Charlotte Flair or something. She, yeah, she did so. Like, I, I wasn't even bothered about the wrestling so much, really. Oh, my God. Um, I, it would be child of, a, of us to mention the boobs. Um, <laughs> so we won't. But we're we'll, we'll mainly talk about just the fact that I mean I know WWE have been sort of cashing in on the nostalgia card and getting like old wrestlers back and things like that. Right. But for some reason, I give Trish a pass, like because she was such an important part of my puberty, certainly, but like my childhood in general. And like seeing her back is just amazing. And I, I the match was so so, it was fine, but just. Yeah, seeing Trish back makes me happy in a way that seeing Undertaker and Goldberg and stuff doesn't really do it for me. Do you know what I mean? No, exactly. It kind of uh, when they did that Raw reunion, whatever it was, and I was just like, this, this is just sad at this point with, with right. all this happening. Yeah. But when Trish comes back, because Trish can still go, like, yep. I know that you say the match was like okay, and I agree, it wasn't like match of the year by any standards. But she's going up against like Charlotte Flair, mm-hmm. arguably one of the best female wrestlers going today. And she held her own like she not missed a beat. Like when I was watching that match, and it, it's the only match from the show I watched properly in full, was a sense of the she was there last week and she's been wrestling for the past ten years. Like there, there wasn't really much of a drop in beat, and the fact that she's, you know, the whole gimmick was I'm a mum of two, I'm forty plus, whatever now, right. like forty two. She is just absolutely incredible to watch from a wrestling standpoint and a perverted aspect as well. And it's just ridiculous how she can still hang. Like she, she could join the main roster tomorrow and just fit in. And the thing with Trish that I find so amazing is that she was the first ever one that was brought in as like the the manager. Well, you got Terry and all that lot, but like the mm. glamour model kind of thing. But let's see how she does at the wrestling. And she had to go to wrestling, and she was like, okay. But like she stuck at it, and she tried to get better, and she and she did get better, and she just kept training herself to become a Hall of Famer, seven time women's champion, and regarded as one of the best ever in terms of female wrestling. That's incredible, right? And again, like you said, she's Canadian. <laughs> And she's fucking Canadian, she's guys. Canadian. Not only Canadian, from the motherland, Toronto. Exactly. You Represent see? that 416, baby. You have to. You have to. That's why. Well, again, do you think if they didn't come to Toronto for SummerSlam, she would have been at SummerSlam? Nah. Right? Not. Exactly. Was, I think it, 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 it worked out. Together in there. Yeah, exactly. It all worked out in, in the best. But yeah, no, I, I have it in my top five, too. Actually, to be honest, it would have been my number five, Trish vs. Charlotte. Not only because of Trish coming back, but because, like you said, it looked like she could still hold up. And honestly, I think it was the best women's match of the whole weekend. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, also, speaking of Canada, when they just started chanting or singing yes. the Canadian national anthem. Yes. So Canadian. she was wrestling. That was Genius. awesome. That is so, all that was left was the maple syrup to start dropping from, from the rafters. <laughs> 
they would have been sold. Which would have been seeing those two roll around with maple syrup. Oh god! Down, Jesse. Down. It's strange. We're talking about women wrestling. It's it. Yeah. We're past that now. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I've let us all down. <laughs> You've let us all down, Jesse. Go, go out. Sorry, I need to go let myself down. <laughs> <laughs> but. Ignoring my co-host's horrendous <laughs> setting with back 20 years. Hang on, I don't like this because I'm becoming the Jerry the King. Lord I was just going to say the same thing. Oh, you are the Jerry the King Lord of the Cocktail <laughs> 5 podcast. You know you are. <laughs> I don't like to that. No, please. <laughs> okay, you're the Booker T of the Cocktail 5 podcast. You make that, no sense whatsoever. That I can get on board with. There you go. That's, and quickly as a side note, oh. they keep listing off like she did it in her promos and he did it in the commentaries like I paved the way with people like Jacqueline and Molly Holly and Lita what did Victoria do to WE by the way that Victoria was not brought back during the Royal Rumble during any of the women's celebration pay-per-views during anything Victoria is never mentioned you're right I, I, Why? I never put into it well she must as they say she must have some backstage heat Backstage heat, or maybe she's been asked and turned it down. That's a that's an option. Maybe she's it, moved on in her life. I maybe. doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> she's she's no CM Punk. You know what Steve I mean? Disagrees. Like I love her to death and all, and she she is a pioneer of the women's division. But I seriously doubt it. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm a huge Victoria fan, and I'd love to see her just come back for one more, even if it's a spot in the women's rumble or something. Just see her come back would be awesome and she's a big missing hole in this whole nostalgia thing that they've been playing on completely that is true actually before we go on to my number two you mentioned booker t and I, the story just came to my mind from the last match i was talking about the luchador match so during the match i again i don't know who, who's who's again it was one of the guys he pulled off a spinneroonie and oh, really? <laughs> again i think it was the same guy beside me starts chanting I never knew Booker T was here. <laughs> and then we all started a Booker T chant. And it was like, oh my God. And it was funny because he was a darker skinned gentleman. So it's sort and he was built sort of like Booker T. All he needed was the long dreads. And then it would have been Booker T to a T. No pun intended. But it was hilarious. I, I got a chuckle out of that anyways, being there live. I don't know. If, again, I don't know if that came off on TV, but that was pretty funny. The Spinner Rooney is a weird one because you feel like you could do it until you try and do it. It's yeah, it's not very easy. Uh, yeah, he does make it look very easy, doesn't he? Because spin on your shoulders, put your ears, your, your legs in the air, then put your ears in the air, put your legs in the air, and then look at your hand. Yeah, exactly. But he reckons that he had to have like neck surgery, and it's because of the spin of Rudy's more Fuck than off. the bumps that he took. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. But you think like, like every live show he was doing it right, so he was That's putting true. his whole body weight on his neck every night of his working career. That is true. And I wonder how many times he was doing it at the beginning just to practice in the locker room or for fans doing video and shit. You never know, right? Yeah, exactly. And he probably learned how to do it in prison where the floors are really hard. Oh, Jesus, Jesse. You are the Jerry what? the Kid Lawler. <laughs> That's where we were. Yeah, Jerry talk, he talked about it in WrestleMania 19. It's all he talked about. <sighs> Jerry the Kid Lord, one of his best lines. What did he say? He said, um, uh, he's still at the wall trying to pay for everything in cigarettes. <laughs> That's horrible. I Jerry, said that. Jerry said that, not me. JR during that commentary was just like, for fuck's sake. This has been 20 <laughs> years of my life. Like, like, 
WrestleMania 19, sorry, sidetrack here. WrestleMania 19 is one of my favorite commentary oh. because, like, King is in a mood all by himself, and JR is just like, I'm going to... You know, you've got that friend you dick about with at work, but okay. then suddenly that friend decides that they're just going to be like, no, I need to, like, focus on the job. I need to do a good job, but you still get your dickish friend. Right. That was the dynamic that those two had at that show. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Oh, my God. All right. I think I think I'm the dickish friend in that. Sorry. You are the dickish You've always yeah. been the dickish <laughs> We've established that many times, Jesse. <laughs> All right, on to my number two. I'm so, I'm so ready. Are you? Oh, God, you have no idea. He's having a poo. He's going to send you a picture, Steve. Don't do that again. I did. I sent <laughs> a poo picture to Steve. It's the closest thing to a nude I've ever sent anyone, I think. I've never never sent nudes, but there you um, go. That's, that's probably the closest thing. So There's a that podcast exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> so now you got to behave, or else that's going out into the universe, my friend. Oh, shit, yeah. You, like... I forget about it. See, I do these things at the moment, and I think that's just, like, you own that picture now as much as anyone else. Trust me, I deleted it right away. I did not want to have that pop up the first thing I see when I need to chat to you guys. <laughs> All right, my number two, going back to ROH. Not a specific match. A certain thing that happened, and again, I don't know if this came off on TV or not. I hope it did, but... Sitting right across from me, uh, from the other side of the ring, was a gentleman who was, uh, let's just say, was drinking a little bit too much than he could handle. I think he was high as a kite as well, and he just mixed, and he didn't know what the fuck was going on, because I've never seen anyone this drunk ever at any event in my life. At house parties, sure, somewhere where it's comfortable, all right, but out in public, I don't know. So go back and watch Ring of Honor during the Matt Taven and Shelly match, to the point where it stopped the match. This guy was passed out where his head was doing the bobblehead. He couldn't keep his eyes open. People were chanting because of this guy. First, we started chanting, he is sleeping. Didn't wake him up. Then we started... Oh, to this is this guy. I've heard about this guy. <laughs> yeah. Are you joking? Are you being serious? No, I've heard about this guy because there was like jokes about, about how Ring of Honor's got so bad that people are falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, this makes the story even better. And then we proceeded to start doing the 10 count. We did the 10 count about three times to see if he would get up by 10, and he never got up. And then finally, Shelly went, took a, I believe he took a selfie, if I'm not mistaken, or people started taking selfies with him. But Shelly took off this man's shoe and started beating Matt Taven with it. <laughs> Amazing. And he just wouldn't wake up. Finally, he woke up. The man woke up. Sat back down, passed out again, but this time he had his back turned to the ring, leaning up against, because he was front row, so he's leaning up against the guardrail. To the point where when a move would happen, you just see him starting clapping. He didn't even know what the fuck was going on, he was just clapping with the crowd. He was just going with the flow, and <laughs> no one was watching the match, everyone was watching him, everyone was like, oh, or you know when people anticipate, and they're like, oh, and then the, the actual move happens, and they're like, yeah, that's what we're doing with him, because he would stand up, we're like, oh, and then you would sit back down and we're like, oh. So I feel sorry for Taven and Shelly because it took away from the match because it literally happened during that whole match to the point where security finally came and escorted the man out of the premises. But this was one of my fucking highlights from the weekend of all weekends because, again, I don't know how this guy got so drunk in a small period of time. 
And I, I don't know, again, I don't think he was only drunk. He must have been mixing some shit to be... Oh, and, God, yeah, those beers are... Pro- you can't get drunk at those shows. You can wait. get a mild buzz if, if you spend a lot of money, but you can't get that wasted. So please, again, worth of the admission alone is to watch the Shelley vs. Taven match to see what happens to this man. I feel so bad for those two, though. I know. But again, at least Shelley was cool about it and he tried to incorporate it and he was all with the joke. But yeah, because I could see it at one point where where they were doing secrets of moves and you could just see Shelley. He was kind of, not disturbed, but he's like, like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know what I mean? I came all this way for this. Right. So this dude's in the front row, right? Like, I assume front yes. row tickets like serious dollar right compared to sitting further back well i don't want to put roh's business out there but when i looked online front row tickets were going for about 100 canadian give or take right yeah that's a lot lot of money to spend to just have it and fall asleep well yeah from that aspect to fall asleep it's a bit of a but you know he seemed like he had a good time well you know what he Ho- made it to number two. And hopefully, at the end of all of this, he becomes the, the guy who had his eyes popping out when Brock Lesnar broke the streak, and he could become a meme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He might have a, he'll, he'll have a queue, a signing queue longer than Virgil's at the next convention. And you know what? We if you have a signing queue longer than Virgil, Jesse. <laughs> if you are listening, fine gentlemen, that passed out at the ROH so please contact me. My DMs are open. Email me. I'll have you on the show to explain your side of the story. <laughs> Please find him. I need to hear that interview because the fact that <laughs> even I've heard of him. <laughs> he traveled over something. Jesus Christ. I'm pretty sure. I think I saw a recording of this on Reddit as well. Well, um, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what he looks like, but I remember he was wearing blue overalls because that ingrained in me because I thought. Uh, of course he is. I thought it was something like the Godwin brothers, like you know what I mean, or cousins or whatever the fuck they were. For some odd, again, I tie everything to wrestling, right? So that's how I remember him. <laughs> nice. Maybe he was a member of Slipknot. Oh no, they wear orange overalls, don't they? Um, cool. So, uh, drunk man number two. That's high on the list for a drunk man. Right? So that just goes to show. It sounds like it deserves that number two slot. It does. And I would put a number one if I didn't want to disrespect all the wrestlers that came up this week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good choice, Steve. Good choice. <laughs> All right, number one. Yes, my dear Jesse Benz. I'm intrigued. Our number one. Um, what else could it be? Um, but the debut of the fiend Bray Wyatt. Wow. Which I just thought was master. So I haven't watched WWE um, okay. properly in quite a few months now. Every every week I go on YouTube and watch Firefly Funhouse and what Bray Wyatt has done that week. Like I'm a Firefly Funhouse fan more than a WWE yeah, fan. We're not That's WWE fans. You said it perfectly earlier, just we're not WWE fans, we're Bray Wyatt fans. Yeah, <laughs> He's, exactly. Yeah, just keeping that ship afloat for us in terms of just like the 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 control he has over that character and just because you remember when Firefly Funhouse first kind of came on. Right. It was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, right. What is what is happening? And the fiend is just something else. And that they finally got this like character who can like rival some of like the iconic characters of the eighties that have just become like synonymous with wrestling. And it's like they finally because they they let's all be honest here they dropped a ball big time with Bray Wyatt. Like even just Bray Wyatt by himself, yeah. Towards the end, this kind of character to him, but they just kept putting him in big feuds, building him up, and then just giving him the making him meet the pinfall. Well, do you remember they wanted to make him be Sister Abigail, and where he wore that veil and he was talking like a woman? Like, what the fuck's going on here? 
Oh yeah, that was the because that was the beautiful intervention of wrestling because like Roman Reigns got sick and then Bray got sick and then we got AJ versus Finn at that pay per view instead of Pumpkin Finn Balor versus Sister Abigail was the advertised match. The Pumpkin King versus Sister Abigail, I think that they they named it as. My God. Yeah. Because that would have been just a nail in the coffin for his career. So thank Jesus so. he got that almost deaf to the stomach. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But, but this Bray the- Wyatt character is like, you know, the, the mix of kids' television and uh, horror is basically, like Max will tell you, is my favourite things <laughs> like, in the world. It's, it's like this, it's just this perfect mix of everything I love with wrestling you know so it's just i think bray wyatt's amazing this whole this whole character has been so masterfully done and it was a really solid debut the entrance music was awesome um the yep. lantern with bray's sort of the Old of his head yep. around it was awesome yeah just everything looks so cool and that mask like it works man like it's genuinely quite scary it is oh it's terrifying it's like give me nightmares i saw something cool online uh i think it was the cultaholic guys who said it um that so he's done the bray wire head they should just do that for every opponent that he beats so when he comes out next he should have a finn balor lantern head yeah that's but, a great idea but then and they'd have to all disappear that. that's the problem like at least finn's gonna go away now for a while so i've heard so that would make sense for a little bit but as they keep keep coming back then i could only suspend disbelief so much you know what i mean Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like I'm not expecting him to sever heads to to make lanterns. That that's a little too far. W a little too far. But when he did the whole neck snap thing, I just said, oh oh, so so we're doing murder now. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing. That's fine. I really like that he sort of pinned him almost by accident. Like you know, he hit him with a mandible claw. Right. This isn't a character that's interested in winning wrestling matches. No. I mean. He won this match because as he was attempting to murder Finn Balor, his shoulders happened to be on the floor, which, you know, is fine. And I love that. That's such a nice touch. And there's like loads of people online since this match and stuff have been reading into it. Like, and maybe they're reading into it too much or maybe it's deliberate. I wouldn't be surprised right. if it was deliberate because of the way Bray likes to do things. But like, you know, he's got the um, heel and hurt on his um, gloves. Yes. And he, he only attacked with his right hand. He only attacked with the hurt hand mm-hmm. and only used the heel hand to touch his own heart when he tried to hit the sister Abigail. And like just little touches like that, yes. which I hope are deliberate, are so fucking cool. And and yeah, that's but- and that's the thing, with, like uh, you mentioned it before, he has so much control to the point where I love how they incorporated the mandible claw because he first introduced it against McFoley. When he did it on him. And now it makes sense why he keeps doing it. He's like, oh, okay, so you did it to him. So you kind of stole it from him. Now you're going to use it on everyone else. Literally to say, fuck you, Foley. I could do it better. You know what I mean? So it makes sense. And and the second thing, cheap plug, go back and listen to a previous episode where I had the director of the Firefly Funhouse on the podcast, Jason Baker. And we go all, yes, all, we go all into what Bray was thinking about, to the mask, to how he comes up with certain shit for the Firefly Funhouse. So that was a good episode. Go back and listen to that if you're interested at all. So that was Jason Baker, but not, not, not Jason, Jason Baker, Baker that you originally thought, right? Exactly. And for people to know <laughs> that running joke, go back and listen to the episode because I, I don't want to ruin it. Just go back and listen to it and listen to me make a fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth 
for listening, i got to say. So, uh, <laughs> if, if he's stealing moves, I hope we don't see Bray Wyatt doing a coup de grace to anyone. Oh, God, no. You would cage your chest in. Talk about fucking murder. <laughs> death. The, the transition to that coup de grace into the mandible claw was just like, oh, so good. So <laughs> I good. I also love how, so he's wearing those, like, carny, like, stripy tights, right? Right. And before, Bray Wyatt's always worn, like, fairly baggy trousers. So him wearing these thin ones just made his legs look really skinny compared to the top of his body. Oh. Which, again, throw, throws the proportion off, right? It right. doesn't look, it just looks weird and unnatural, which just, again, adds to the sort of creepiness of the character. No, you're right. Yeah. It's everything, everything. Um, so one thing me and Jesse have been kind of discussing because we're nerds is like where you can go with this like fiend Bray Wyatt character because it needs to be protected. He he can't be showing up on Raw and wrestling a match. He can't just be like wrestling every single week. Right. Um, but how do you keep him like off TV but still relevant? Well, he can do a Firefly Funhouse every Raw. Like that—that that needs to continue to happen, but that's just on the Titan Trump. He doesn't need to come yeah. out and do anything every week. Or he could just come out and hit his finishers on everyone, and then have that squealing noise in the background with them fading in and out of him. That's fine too. That keeps him relevant. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I don't—I don't want it to happen every week to the point where you're waiting for. That's true when too. When Bray comes out and hits someone with his finisher, do you know what I mean? I want it to be a shock gotcha. every time it happens, and I don't want to see him wrestle another match till Survivor Series when we can talk about it again. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, yeah. I, I want to see more of a development of the, the Mr. Rogers kind of side of him. I want to see more of that kind of showing or, up. Or how about this? Kind of breaking down. They're going to do this thing that Finn does. What if he comes out as Mr. Rogers every week and he's only the fiend at the big pay-per-views? That yeah, could that, work. It could happen. It could work. Also, um, WWE Shop are, are currently selling, as Max pointed out to me, mm. um, replicas of the Firefly Funhouse puppets. Nice. Um, and you you have no idea how tempted I am. So so far you can get the, the buzzard, the rabbit, and the Vince McMahon boss character, who by the way looks completely different to the actual boss character yeah. that appeared on Funhouse. I want an Abbey. I want. I want an, an Abbey. Abbey. That'd be awesome. Like I'm one of my fears in life, like is mannequins and dolls oh, like they just freak me out to no end i just have such an unrational fear of the two of those things but i would buy an abbey in a hobby definitely cool so, so that's yeah. a good number one uh, the fiend has a lot of potential and it seems yep. like they're going in the right direction with yep. kind of the creative control that he's got but we have to throw in the yeah but it's fucking we so they're gonna fuck it up yeah. um, and, and it has felt like that with bray before it's and it, awesome it's, for a bit, isn't it? And then it all goes tits up. Exactly. But it, this feels slightly different. So I'm hoping they've kind of just said, you've proved yourself, this is working, let's see where it goes. And yeah, it, it would be great if he has full creative control over this. It would be ama- It would be rare, really rare, in current climate, but it would be incredible if he did. Yeah. You know what, Max? You know, I've had... Um, this is how good Bray is at the moment, and this is a massive thing. So, you know, I've had, as my phone wallpaper, Vince McMahon flipping the bird for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been changed to The Fiend. Oh, wow. No. You've got a full-on mark on this one. Yeah, that is that is the only seal of approval you need. <laughs> when you become my phone wallpaper, you are over. Fantastic. <laughs> what? What else can you say to that, right? No, but that is a great number one. 
I have it here, but if I was to put it in top five of mine, it would probably be number two. But yes, I don't even remember the match. Again, it was all the entrance and just everything, like the production value, everything from top to bottom, and just the chills you get. And you could tell this is not a PG character. Yeah, exactly. And you say about the production value, like we always talk about how great the performer is and stuff, but you're absolutely right. Like the the way the lighting was done, mm-hmm. the way the music was done, the way everything, the way the camera the worked, camera the angles, way everything yes. was laid out, everyone fucking smashed it that was involved in that. It was amazing. Yep, for sure. All right. My number one was the latter war between the G.O.D., Gorillas of Destiny, against the Briscoe Brothers at Ring of Honor, the main event. The fucking bloodbath that uh, I always get to the, not Jay, the other Briscoe. No, it is Jay. Yeah, it was Jay Briscoe. He oh, was the Jesus. former world champ, right? Yeah. He cut himself, hit an artery, and I turned over to my wife and I said, it looked like he perioded all over the mat. That's how much fucking blood was all over the place. <laughs> it was, dis- I could smell it from ringside. That's, That's how bad your- it was. Does your wife like it when you talk dirty to her? I don't know. I'll have to ask her. <laughs> She started laughing, so I don't think she was in the mood. <laughs> but then again, I've had a few chuckles when I pulled my, my shorts. But that's for a different podcast. But anyways. <laughs> that match was crazy from start to finish. Again, knowing... I, I, I'm focusing on uh, Tamatonga because that motherfucker... And I'm saying motherfucker because every it's true. Every second word that comes out of his mouth is a swear word when he wrestles. Yes. And he's just as crazy as the Briscoes. And it was just fantastic. It was a fucking car wreck happening live in front of me to the point where I either thought I was going to get blood on me or a ladder or a table was going to come flying our way. That, that's how crazy it was. It's good It's good to feel like nervous for your own safety at wrestling. That's, um, <laughs> that's when you know you're in the moment. It's so true. There was three spots in particular. There was one where they, uh, they set up... I'm, I'm horrible with names. Well, who cares? They set up one of the G.O.D. guys on a table and then put a ladder on top of him. And then Mark Briscoe uh, wall, or catwalked over another ladder and jumped to the outside and landed on top of him. So that was one crazy spot. There was another spot where, again, they set up the ladder in between the ropes to the floor. So it was sort of like a ramp. So you could already tell someone was going to run up that. So... Tamatonga ran up that, gave Jay a cutter off the top of the ladder. So that was pretty nice. And then there was just so many things to spill to the outside to the point where Jay was walking around and you could see literally from the top of his shoulder down to his waist, this gash that opened up. You know he's going to need like at least 50 stitches for that. And I was like, oh my God, this man looked like he was in literally a car accident. I know people throw that term a lot, but I'm sorry to say Jay was a fucking mess. Nice. Jesus. So they, they put it on the line then? Yeah, pretty much. But they ended up winning. Spoiler alert. But again, it's been out for a while anyways. If people haven't watched it, I'm sure they're not going to watch it by now. But it was just crazy. I had no idea who was going to go back and forth. And again, not being a true ROH fan where I tend to watch the bigger shows of ROH, but I don't follow the day-to-day story. So I knew at one point G.O.D. was champs and the Briscoes got it back and they were going back and forth. And I think this was their fallout match. So... The Briscoes ended up winning, which makes sense because I guess G.O.D. is going to go back to New Japan, right? So, yeah, no, it was quite interesting. They they literally did not walk out on their own. They needed people helping them, and I don't even think that was a work. That was legit. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah, I haven't checked it out, and I haven't seen much about it. But uh, 
purely are you ringside for the ring of honor show as well i was like three rolls back so pretty much okay that's fine i, I can spot you so purely based on just being able to to see you steve i'm, I'm oh, gonna God. get these shows this week and, and kind of check these out oh, but God. you sold it even more now with period blood in the ring <laughs> i love it it was crazy i've never seen a live match i've been to a few shows now and that was the most gruesome i guess best i guess i could yeah i guess it counts as a hardcore match best hardcore match i've watched in a long time it, it's weird, isn't it, when you go and see... Because, like, you can watch hardcore matches and that kind of stuff on TV, but when right. when you're there in person, it's just something else that is difficult to kind of explain and, and kind of see. It's just weird to kind of watch that. You're like, yep, I'm, I've paid, like, 10 quid to, to watch these humans bleed in front of me for my entertainment. I know, right? It was just so crazy. So for me watching that to watching Gargano vs. Cole and then the third stage... The fucking cage coming down, I'm like, this ain't shit. These guys almost died a few days ago. And when the p- crowd was chanting, please don't die, when they were on top, I'm like, they're not going to die. In Ring of Honor, I actually thought they were going to die. That's how fucked up it was. <laughs> well, exactly. This is the the whole thing about the, the hardcore matches in WWE. It just it kind of takes out that, that belief aspect, doesn't it? Yes, it does. In, in terms of what you're watching. Because Gagano Cole should have had some color in it to kind of reconcile right? that match. Especially the way they set up the cage and, and did all of that kind of stuff. But it, it just felt like a wrestling match with some metal around it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And even when he cut the, the barbed wire and he did nothing with it, what, he chased him just so he could get up there on the ring? I guess that made sense in sort of a WWE way. But he didn't use it. And I was like, okay, great. No, yeah, it was very much, oh, no, get away from me. No, it was weird. Yeah, it was. But I guess that was my SummerSlam week in a nutshell. Sounds nice. like you had a great time. It was, it was, I said I was going to be bored and like I'm dying to watch Raw because I've already seen some of the spoilers and I want to know what's going on, but at the same time I'm like, I need a couple of days of detoxing. This is the thing with the whole WrestleMania and the big SummerSlam weekends. You sent me that uh, image, Jesse. Um, It was like a Simpsons quote. It was like, have you been up all week watching wrestling and at home was like, I'm blind. You've got like Glow, TakeOver, Ring of Honor, WE, just it. It's Too ridiculous much. how much wrestling content you can consume. And G1 was also going on at That's this time right. as well, yep. which is a lot of fucking wrestling to watch in a week. It's so true. I don't know. Whoever keeps up with all of this, un- unless you do it for a living, like these guys who report on it and actually make a living, that's fine. But as a fan, I think it's virtually impossible. And to watch all this, you need to have a job. So obviously these people are working. So it's like, I don't know what the fuck people are doing with their lives. Either they're not sleeping or they do nothing else but watch wrestling all day. I don't fucking know. To catch up on this stuff, I'd have to come home, watch it straight from when I got home to go to bed, and then on my commute in the morning, I'd still have to be watching it, and then just about I'd keep up with it. Right. It's ridiculous. I know, it's crazy. Like, it's, it's, it's too much. It is too much, but, you know, like, we're spoiled. Like, can you I know, when yeah. We were, when we were kids, like, if, if someone had told us how much decent wrestling content would be out there, so much to the point where you don't want to watch it all like you know 12 year old versions of us would have been like what what the fuck are you talking about I know. anything good you'd watch yeah exactly we'd consume anything we could get our hands on and it would be very difficult to do and now as you say Jesse, we're just spoiled for choice where it's like i can stop watching we for a couple of months and just yep. focus on this these other two companies and it doesn't matter i'm still getting great content yeah no kidding it's crazy yeah, a uh, quick honourable mention, and I, I need to know how proud you felt as a Canadian, Steve, when sure. Velveteen Dream came out to the Mountie, which I think is the unofficial 
anthem of Canada, really. You know what? It's twofold. Because I felt pride as being a Canadian. And I felt pride as having a former Mountie slash Quebecer on the show in PCO. So it goes both-fold. I loved it. (laughs) I I love Velveteen's entrance, whatever he does for kind of like takeovers and stuff. But that one just cracked me up. You know, bringing out the Raptors and doing all the dance and stuff it was just really it was simple it's like not it was. as elaborate as some of his other ones but it was simple and well done yeah exactly it added that little extra touch to his character do you remember when he was patrick from tough enough oh god of oh course god. like yeah out. like who would have thought that he'd be like so over at one of our highlights in we now it's crazy yeah, well, from the get-go, you knew he knew what he wanted his character to be, and he wanted to just, like, let it shine, and that's, you know, after Tough Enough happened, he's like, right, this is my moment, I'm going to take this character I've been working on, and there you go. Yeah, dude smashed it. Dude smashed it. And somehow, like, in Tough Enough, he was not that big, and then for six months, he just must have lived at that gym, because his physique is ridiculous. Well, he is still young, too, right? So he could have grown he's into like it as 22. well. like 22. Yeah. So he's still a growing boy. Makes me sick. Yeah, me too. And plus, he's got good genes, obviously. Or I hate to say it, is he on something else? Yeah, maybe. You never know. When's the last time you heard someone get popped? NXT, like all you do at the performance center is just train. Like whenever you see, like Fandango came back. Uh, and rescue Tyler Breeze Fandango's in amazing shape like wrestlers when they're not on the road for 300 days of the year that is true ridiculous shape and then the minute they have to do that grind again they just well they're still in great shape but not like when they come back well same thing with Dean Ambrose in his last run in WWE when he came back he was so he was jacked and now as Moxley I see him again I was like oh he's back to regular Dean Ambrose way yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Seth Rollins, when he came back, CrossFit Jesus, everyone was calling him because he did just get that ridiculous a shape. So there's something to be said about not doing that 300-day-a-year schedule, for sure. Well, I think it's good for T. Te- I'm not saying they should have an off-season, but have a rotating off-season with some of the characters where it's demanded they take at least one, for sure four weeks in a row off, uh, even to refresh in the character, you know what I mean? Anything, just so they could rejuvenate, refresh in, whatever. It doesn't, or so it doesn't be the same matches over and over. Oh, for sure. I've said it time and time again. Survivor Series should be the season finale of the year. Take a three-month break. Come back with the Royal Rumble. But, like, the first show is the Royal Rumble back. You don't know who's coming out to the ring. You don't know. And then that kicks off your whole season from, like, January up until November. That would be good. It, they'd lose just too much money. Great. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be thrilled with that. The, the wrestlers would get, they'd get Thanksgiving, they'd get Christmas, they'd get New Year with their families. Um, and yeah, as you say, like uh, the idea of going into a Royal Rumble completely cold is um, a really fun idea. Yeah, it would be insane. So, uh, but hey, what do I know? Exactly. Yeah, just a mark. <laughs> yeah. But the, the McMahon said you yesterday. Again? I'm <laughs> exploding all over the mic. in charge, so whatever I say goes. Yeah, that's true. So say it louder. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. I've missed these, Steve. Hey, you're, again, talk to WWE. Maybe maybe we could squeeze in another major event here and there when something happens. Maybe we could do like another organization. Maybe when once AEW gets a foot in the door and we know what's their big WrestleMania of the year, we could do that too or whatnot, right? That yeah, definitely. Sense. I do like doing yeah, like do things. We don't talk about all that much current wrestling on our show. And it's sort of... I sort of the, the product isn't as good as it was, obviously. Yeah. Um, but... 
but talking through it with you sort of reminds me that actually that you can it's still get good value out of it you know when you chat to mates about it it's nice no of course it's good it's for good banter as they say hey that's how well, that's what they say <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, where could people find you? Where can people look at you or hear you or whatever you want to plug? The floor is all yours, my friends. Do it, Jesse. I think you should do it. <laughs> oh, do you now? Yeah, I think you should. But do it like I do it. Try and do it. I want to hear your impression. <laughs> oh, I'm nervous now. This is like me trying to do that Macho Man impression on the last episode. Yeah. Which was so horrible, by on. the way. I'll, uh, I'll, do, I'll bring it in. So, um, so you can find us. Uh, you can find links to our Twitter you can find links to all of social media on what website, Max? Gotel5.com. Not bad. Pretty good. Right? Pretty good. Yeah. That, was, that was a good just impression. So, yeah, gotel5.com if you want to find out anything about us. There's also a section where you can contact us. We're really pushing the iTunes hard at the moment because uh, we've just found out we're ranked 57th in the category for wrestling. So, we're one of the best selling wrestling podcasts going today. So, Please just help us bump those numbers up. Ratings help. Listening through iTunes. So uh, that's kind of our main focus at the moment. You can find us everywhere at Got Till 5. We do top five shit. There's sometimes some quizzes. There's guests. Lots of good stuff is going on. And yes, I listen to the show. What is it? Religiously? Yes, that's the word. I've been so horrible. If you go back to the episodes in the past, I think three or four episodes in a row, there's one word where I have to repeat myself or I don't know how to pronounce it. Or maybe I'm just a fucking idiot. Who knows? Maybe it's all the above. But no, I do listen to your guys' show religiously. It's a great show. Not only because these guys are on my show and I go on yours every so often, but it's great banter. It's, again, to me, the best podcasts are just guys shooting the shit and saying what they mean and not having the restriction of being like, oh, did I say that? Or, oh, like, it's all in good fun. Everyone knows it's jokes. And fuck, listen to these guys. They're great. Last episode, we went on too many rants, didn't we? We, we? we just talked too much. Last episode was on promos, by the way. There's clips and a quiz. Oh, it's a laugh riot. It is good. We got distracted quite a lot in it, but there are some... I actually listened back to a bit of it earlier, and I might have been delirious because it was the morning, but I popped myself a good couple of times. <laughs> you never laughs at my jokes. We popped themselves. <laughs> but yeah, thank you, thank you, Steve, for your kind words. It's uh, why we like coming on this podcast, because you, you plug us better than anyone, but... Uh, we, we love your podcast as well, without a doubt. So uh, we like being a part of it, is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chests. Please, at the podcast app at gmail.com. And yes, please go subscribe at all the major platforms. And like these guys mentioned as well, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you call it nowadays, it's mostly the almost the main important one for everyone who does podcasting but if you don't have an iphone or anything to do with apple products i understand so that's why i'm also available on stitcher TuneIn, soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio. go support the sponsors rewind listen to the top of the show if you want all the promo codes again i don't feel like doing it as well this has been a long episode and that's that lovely stuff thanks again steve oh i almost forgot see i mentioned this before we started and I have to do it for all you new listeners who are listening because since these guys are on the charts, hopefully I got we get some cross listeners. I've had previous episodes with wrestlers like PCO, TJ Perkins, Tyson Dukes, uh, Brian Pillman, even before he was in A&W. And A&W, wow. AEW. It's been, see, like I said, it's been a long fucking podcast. 
And upcoming. And that's Brian Pilbert Jr., by the way, that he's talking about. Yeah, Steve is not doing like a seance or anything in that episode. That would have been a hell of a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and most recently, at my live events, I've had interviews with the previous mentioned Psycho Mike Rollins, so stay tuned for that. And I will be talking to the newly signed knockout, Alexia Nicole. So stay nice. tuned for all those that are up and coming. And like I said, go back and listen to all the episodes. And if you're also into MMA, there's also cross, uh, cross what reference, cross whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, cross, cross the yeah, streams. Yeah, it's all interconnected. I've also had MMA guys from the UFC and all that stuff. So go back. There's so many episodes. I've lost count. Please support the cause. There you go. Deuces. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> Are you sure that's the last thing you want to be heard on this episode? Uh, fuck yeah, it is. No, no. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, always a pleasure. We'll see you at Survivor Series, whatever is going to happen in you'll the be, next you'll, couple of months. You'll be, you'll be on our show before that, though, I'm sure. Fantastic. Sounds good. On that note, he's Max. He's Jesse. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.